The dawn of civilization. Primitive. Dangerous. Exciting. The handwriting is on the wall. If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs... The most civilized caveman I have ever seen. Ah, look who's come out of his cave. Hello, and thanks for tuning in again for another episode of Cave Dweller Music. I am James, and we have Brendan here with me. Unfortunately, Matt is unavailable due to time zone differences, but today we have Nick from Haitian Phone with us. How's it going, Nick? Oh, very fine. Thanks for having me over, guys. No worries. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, uh, we've actually had a partnership with Haitian Firm for a while. That We kind of uh, started our page at the same time as they were starting to really come up. And uh, it's been kind of cool to see their page and their label grow uh, alongside ours. And uh, it's actually kind of funny how Nick and I met. I'm not sure if you remember, Nick, how you and I actually like uh, connected. Um, I can't. I, honestly, I can't remember. <laughs> so uh, we, we uh, I posted something about a Morbid Angel album in a uh, death metal group, and Nick pretty much told me I was wrong. <laughs> and uh, uh, we and I got into like a discussion, like I don't know, fifteen, twenty comments. And he's like, "Dude, I'm just going to message you." And uh, he messaged me, and he checked. It. He knows we had the page, and he checked it out. He's like, "Man." You and I don't really agree on everything, but I like the way you write. So do you guys want to like uh, get something going here? So that that was actually how you and I got to know each other. And uh, Brendan, I think you only met Nick pretty recently, right? Like a couple of weeks back? Yeah, uh, just through random uh, kind of peeking through our uh, chat through the messenger, talking to him about how he recently got kicked off of Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Nick, did you want to tell us a little bit about Haitian Firm and what you guys do? Basically, it was a bunch of people who knew each other on uh, Discord for a while. And, you know, we're all big music fans. We're always arguing and going on about music. You know, a few of us were writers. Some of us, you know, were involved in projects, bands, a lot of different stuff. And it just kind of came to us, you know, that it's cool to talk about stuff, you know, between us, but like, like the way you guys did it, you know, we just wanted to, you know, share what was going on and I, you can put in your word, you can put in your heart, your soul, you know, like uh, what a lot of musicians do, but you can also put in your money. And I really wanted to get involved into the whole technical side of making CDs and everything. And so, you know, the label kind of came naturally to me. And how long have you guys been uh, up and running now? Un unofficially, I'd say we've been, we've, we've had this conversation for maybe about a year and a half. And then I think, you know, things got really going, you know, the first talks with the first couple of bands we wanted to sign in about January or so. Okay. And, then, you know, and who, who, who was the first band you signed? Um, Hosts of Lord. Very kind of peculiar band because you look them up on Metal Archives. They're American, but they were inspired, you know, by the, the LLN movement in France, a French black metal from the late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. I was like, interesting. You know, yeah, you know, very distinctive French style. You know, just, I'm not sure if you're familiar with bands like Vlad Tepes, uh, Mutilation, and all that. No, I'm actually not. That's uh, that's something I'm going to have to look up after this call. And the first band that you put us onto, I think, was Ancient Gate. Yeah, Ancient Gate was, uh, I think, it was the second band I signed. It third. You know, it was one of the first because you can t you can tell. You know, once again, once again, you know, I didn't do this on purpose, but. Um, you know, they have that kind of Swedish uh, melodic black metal style that I love, you know, mm -hmm. um, Sacramentum, Dawn, Dissection. And right. <laughs> on the other hand, they also have that kind of mid-90s French sound, right, that right. I also love. And they're actually and South American, aren't they? Yeah, from Argentina. 
Right. That's, I thought of something like that. That's interesting that they were inspired by so much European music coming uh, from an Argentina black metal scene. Yeah, I mean, uh, and you know, Latin America, you know, some people might not agree, but they have nothing to envy from anyone when it comes to metal. No, I agree. And, and they have a very, like, Latin America has a very definite style of black metal as well. Like, uh, I think probably Sarcophago is one of the few to kick it off right at the start. That, like, uh, 80s, raw, thrash, speed metal, black blend. Yeah, exactly. And, then, you know, Sepultura, you know, when they, when they first started in 1985, you know, uh, Morbid Visions, that was essentially a death metal album. Those guys were like, uh, they, they really invented that whole South American sound and style. Yeah, just, yeah, very aggressive, uh, in your face, no holds barred, black metal. Definitely. I actually wanted to know about um, what you had on your current roster and what you got uh, coming up in the future. <clears throat> All right, well, on the current, current roster, you know, we, uh, um, you know, at the moment we're releasing the Into Oblivion. Waves of Serpentine Ascension, the EP that's coming out on the 29th of September. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we've been very focused uh, focused on that. Um, you guys did a great job with the premiere for Where Winds, Whale, and North. We were happy to uh, help out with that. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good album. So, you know, that that's the band we're kind of focusing on. Then very soon, we have, you know, we have a Goatcraft uh, de- a collection of demos from 2000 i think they were recorded in 2009 they were never used so it's actually a two-part um two-part cd you know first cd is going to be the the 22 untitled songs that were never used on any album and then the second part is going to feature a uh, 20-minute live performance that combines a lot of the stuff from goatcraft's um previous works and makes them into one song wow it's like kind of like it's like a best off, you know, played live on a on a big piano, but because it was recorded in a radio room, the the bass the bass notes on the piano literally rumble and they're distorted, and it sounds like a guitar almost. Really, oh, that's, that's awesome. So cool. Yeah, so we're re- really happy for that. And then uh, also coming out, you know, we have the new Methodist EP. I'm very excited for that one personally. Yeah, me, yeah, me too. Uh, you know, but they're, they're, they're perfectionists and they like to take their time. You know, they tweak the slightest thing. You know, I get messages and the, the guys are telling me, look, I just did one small thing on the kick drum. Now it sounds a million times better, you know, like very detail oriented band. So they take their time. I think that's what happens when you get like a really quality and passion for the music is, you know, you take your time and you don't just bang it out to get it out there. You know, you like, these artists are taking it so seriously and like, it's really good to see that. Oh yeah, I definitely agree with you. But, but then again, you know, I've come to realize, you know, a lot of bands have just literally smashed out records, you know, um, Dark Throne, Transylvanian Hunger. I think it took them like three weeks yeah. to write and record everything. Yeah. You, you definitely get those passion projects where something just comes together and, uh, an album's just born in like a week or two. It's, it's always kind of crazy. There was actually, um, an album we reviewed not long ago uh, from a guy who goes under the name Moonlow, and uh, he recorded one song per day uh, over a seven-day period. And uh, that's how he put the album together. But the album was actually set in a theme of covering a one-week span in his life. But, yeah, stuff like that. It's always kind of cool to see someone put together ideas that just flow in, like, such a short period of time. Yeah, you know, you know, different people have different personalities. You know, some some people artistically have to be spontaneous to be uh, to really express themselves, while others have to be a bit more meticulous. Right. Well, then you get bands like uh, like uh, Tool and Winter Sun who take like fifteen years to put <laughs> yeah. an album together. 
Mate, I don't believe it took them 15 years. You know, I just think they were like, they were thinking, we can cash in on the last albums just by, you know, just by living up to that hype. Very true. Well, definitely, I think it definitely was that that was the case. And I think like everyone's expectations were, I think it kind of backfires a little bit because everyone's expectations were so high for those albums. And when they came out, everyone's like, well, this is pretty good, but did I really want to wait 15 years right. for this? <laughs> You know, I, I've have, heard you heard, have you heard Chinese Democracy, you know, by Guns N' Roses? Yes. That you can yeah. tell it took 15 years to, to write because it goes from all the styles that came in that time period and it just sounds like a disjointed mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I know what you mean with that, actually. It's been a long time since I listened to that album, though. Like, uh, at least, like, eight years or something. <sighs> you know, I remember the hype because, you know, <laughs> there was Buckethead. I was thinking, what, what the hell is Buckethead doing in Guns N' Roses? Then he got kicked out like two weeks later or something. <laughs> that guy's worked with some pretty big names. Uh, he's, got, he's, he's a pretty talented dude. Yeah, he's tried his hand at like, uh, some death metal stuff, you know, like um, you know, instrumental death metal as well. He, he has like 100 mm-hmm. EPs, I, I think. Three albums, but yeah, 117 EPs or 120 or something, something like that. So he's trying that is crazy. <laughs> it's a lot of work. And uh, there was another artist that you had on your roster. I think you said was working or something. Was do you say Polemicist also had something? Yeah, Polemicist has a, a pretty big album coming up. They're really experimenting with their sound because you know uh, it was really funny. Um, Mephitis and Polemicist they had no idea who they were. You know, like like a year, two years ago, right? But both kind of made similar music. Mm-hmm. And there was this mm-hmm. uh, interview, you know, where the guys from Mephitis said that they loved Polemicist's album and, you know, they wanted to get in touch with each other. And then, you know, Polemicist also felt a uh, kind of union with them, you know, musically. <laughs> so I decided, you know, to get both of them together. And, yeah, um, and but then there are things that, for, you know, the, the lead guitarist from Polemicist, uh, Lydia Giordano, she's a classically trained musician. Mm-hmm. So you can hear that, you know, the way they layer like these kind of really simple, you know, uh, you know black metal riffs on top of each other. That just makes a huge, uh, like a huge sound, also very rich and very dense. And they, they're, kind of, they're continuing mm-hmm. in that direction with the new record, but they're pushing things further. You know, they're going to experiment a bit more, you know, try and really craft their, their own style. That's exciting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing that one as well. I mean, you know, we have Ancient Gate, who's, going to, who's starting to work on some new demos as well for a lot of different, um, different ideas, you know, but within that style, but to kind of maybe a bit more atmospheric this time around and less epic. Yeah, they, they did have a bit of an epic sound to them, especially like the album cover kind of gives you that idea when you look at it. It's, a, it's like a very uh, fantasy, uh, gothic type album cover. Oh, yeah. I just think the, the artwork for the album was brilliant, though. I really enjoyed it. You know, It's very cool. We, we thought so, too. And uh, I know that you said Into Oblivion's kind of the band you're pushing at the moment. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So basically, you know, I've been talking to the guys quite quite a bit now, and they've all known each other since like the younger guys were fourteen. They, the ages go from like fourteen to seventeen within the band. So they've signed like two thousand and nine, and I think they've been rehearsing together every Friday, you know, except you know holidays and obligations to get together. So you know, they've really had that time to kind of build to the build those really epic songs. You know, the the last song. That we, you know, that's been premiered on uh, NCS, Eagle of the Serpent Sun, is 20 minutes long. And on the previous album, you know, yeah, they have songs that are 22 minutes long, and it's only on this EP where they experimented with shorter songs. 
Oh, yeah. No, they're really good, too. I really love, uh, like, longer tracks. Um, a lot of people don't, but I think that it shows, like, the musicianship, the work, and, like, the teamwork, and, you know, like, everything goes into that, I think is almost a better uh, a song versus, like, you know, a four-minute long song where everything's just structured and banged out real quick, you know? I really appreciate the the long, long songs. You know, I completely agree with you. You know, even some bands that I don't really like, you know, I, want, I always think that their longer songs are better than the shorter songs because, you know, you, to make a, a, you know, a 25-minute song exciting, it takes a lot more work than to do that with a two-minute song. Exactly. And they fill their songs with lyrics, too, yeah. you know, like the whole entire time. So, like, it's not just, like, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, lyrics sung and, and, and harmonized and then... You know, or even repeated, like it's like they're telling long stories and it's really awesome. I was just going to say, I remember reading from the band that they are heavily inspired by classical composition. And you can kind of tell that with their music, the way that they write their songs and the way they're structured. They have a lot of composing elements going on there. It's not just standard, uh, we'll slap a song together. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, I know exactly. You know, these guys are in, inspired by bands like, you know, the first two At The Gates album albums bands like Aversa Fira who had you no know, they didn't have the long songs but they had the very rigidly you know classically composed um, where you, you know where these guys can and an interview oblivion take these kind of ideas and really you know flesh them out you know they try to have like an introduction you know a development where things kind of get bigger and bigger have like maybe like an interlude you know where things calm down for a bit and then kind of builds up to a climax and, you know, conclusion. And they're very aware of how their songs are arranged. Yeah, I think the, the best way to describe them is, is rather than calling them songs, you can almost call them um, yeah. movements, as in like a, a classic sense. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree, you know. And one thing, you know, the, the band really wants is that when people listen to their music is to not have any breaks between the songs. <sighs> In, in you know in such a way. yeah they flow right, right into so each other, which is really great right. and that's where you get those issues with people you know having a playlist and it coming up on shuffle or something and they lose like uh, the whole atmosphere of the album and a band spin uh, this is something that always bothered me is people put albums on shuffle and a lot of the time I think a band puts a lot of effort and thought into a way an album's arranged and Absolutely. the order that you put tracks in. And sometimes people are like, well, the album wasn't that great. Like the songs didn't really gel. I'm like, well, did you listen to them in order? They're like, no. I'm like, well, that's probably part of why it didn't gel. It's like a, some albums have a natural progression yes. from start to finish I, I that you're meant to follow. So too, you know. And when bands aren't doing that, um, it's just it's chaotic sounding, you know. <laughs> like imagine just purposely, you know, listening to an album, you know, by starting with the outro first. And then having like the, you know, you know, like in a lot of death metal albums, you know, where they have the, the synth intro at the beginning of the album and you have that in the middle, it just would not make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Some albums are put together pretty weirdly like that though. Like sometimes I really question decisions the band makes about where they put songs in an album. Um, there was one recently that I listened to, we actually reviewed it. I can't remember the band's name, but um, it was a death metal album. And then the fifth track on the album was randomly like a bonus track. That was a cover of like 80s speed metal or hair metal, actually. It's closer to hair metal. Um, and it just put it at like track five and then it carried on with death metal from six to 10 onwards. So I was like, okay, it's cool that you did that as like a, a cover song type thing, but like, why did you put it at yeah, track it five been, like, out of 10? The last song. 
it made a lot of sense. It's like, here's a bonus track, something cool we did enjoy. Not like it broke up the album completely. Well, apparently, you know, a, a lot of the, um, you know, the new wave of British heavy metal bands used to do a lot of weird things like that, you know, and then some of the, the lesser known thrash metal bands have covers in the middle of the album that don't fit the style as well. Interesting. It's people a- used to flip over vinyls and stuff. You know, so right. Got- okay. Well, that makes sense in that context. Because uh, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Heath and Victims of Deception, yes. you know, um, randomly throughout the album, you know, they play a rainbow cover, Kill the King. Right, right, yeah. I actually forgot about that. <laughs> it's, it's a great song, right? And the cover's not bad, but it just it just does not work with the kind of like super fast thrash melody that they're going throughout, you know, the rest of the album. Right. Yeah, and you can have that outline track. There's no problem with that, but you shouldn't put it like you know in the middle of the album. You should have it as like an afterthought. Like, hey, here's something cool we did because we really like the song. Not like this is part of the album. Here's track right. five, and then back to thrash. Actually, about not on any of your roster stuff, but like if you could sign any band, dead or alive, wh- who would it be? Ouch! Now that's a hard question. Dead or alive, man. Oof. You could do also both. That this could be a two-part question. Yeah, both. <laughs> All right. So for dead. Um, I'd sign Michael Jackson for the money <laughs> Oof, for a, for a live, any bar, uh, because you know, <laughs> there are a lot of bands I, I'd love to sign, but, uh, or, you know, that, uh, let me see, you know, I'm just going to pick one by completely random. Um, you know, I'm going to go for at the gates because their first album is one of my favorite albums ever. The Red Sky is ours. And I would love just to, you know, to get my hands on the tapes, send them to an engineer I know, and really get that whole thing remixed and give it the sound it deserves. Right on. Yeah, that that, that album does have a bit of a, a raw production Amazing sound feel. to it, doesn't it? It's, uh, it's a bit. It's not. It's not the clearest. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's a great it's a album. Shame because every, you know, every single musician on that album is doing. Um, something completely insane. You know, even the vocals uh, are pitched very precisely. You know, uh, the right. guitarist, Alf Svensson, he'd, he'd go up to the singer and he goes, you know, when you scream here, I want it to be, you know, slightly higher than this. Now I want it to be a bit lower like this, etc." <clears throat> what were your thoughts on the, um, the two newer releases of theirs? I actually really liked the previous one. I haven't given enough attention to the, the, the most recent, but the one before that, uh, a couple of years back, I really enjoyed that um, album. I can't remember. I think, uh, what was it? The last one was To Drink From The Night Itself, I think. Yes, that was the most recent one. Uh, and then there was one like a year before that, I think, or two years before that. That was their comeback album, pretty much. Damn, uh, you know, I, I, I think I completely missed it on my ring. Oh, you missed that one. Hang on, I'll just I'll double check the name for you. Give me two seconds. At War with Reality. It was 2014. Sorry, it's like six years. Wow, that <laughs> time has passed quickly. It's wild how that. Um, at War with Reality. That, yeah, you know, I, I think that nowadays, you know, they have their sound and then style, and you know, you know, ever since Slaughter of the Soul, and mm-hmm. they're very content with uh, working within within that style. I actually, um, I actually much preferred uh, that one to. Um, sort of the soul because it wasn't quite as melodic death metal. I mean, it still had the melody elements, but it was a little bit rawer. I thought personally, yeah, it, it, me too. You know, I felt a bigger return to the thrash metal roots. Um, exactly, that's what I missed about it. 
because I'm I'm not the biggest fan in the world of super melodic death metal. Um, I'm much more into like the classic OESDM stuff. But there's a few like Gothenburg style bands that did some really good melodic work in the 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 nineties. But overall, I'm not the biggest melodic death metal fan. I actually I I don't know. I'm kind of toss up on that because I I kind of I I like the longer songs in death metal where it's like a little stretched out and like kind of not just slammed in your face. And melodic also like could be so many different things, you know, where you're using different instruments or synths and stuff. So it just kind of leaves it up or like even acoustic instruments, you know, can make it melodic. So ah, I, I like it. When it came to the melodic bands, you know, um, obviously, you know, for anyone who's lived in uh, Europe, you know, that stuff was huge. And um, it was essentially, you know, what metal was to the main, you know, to the mainstream metal fan, you know, to the whole world, you know. Everyone was united under the banner of bands like uh, In Flames, uh, Soil Work, Arch Enemy, etc. So, you know, I grew up with that stuff. But, you know, nowadays I like kind of the the death metalier ones, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? The ones who aren't as melodic, you know. Um, I'm not sure if you guys know Eucharist, for example, who, mm-hmm. lit, you know, I mean, I, I call them death metal, but a lot, but, but if someone called them melodic death metal, I wouldn't be, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. They kind of flirted with both, uh, with both sides of the, uh, of the, uh, of the barrier. For me, it's definitely more about like, what I like about late eighties, early nineties, classic death metal is just the, uh, the crunch and the tone and how raw the whole thing is. And it's not overproduced. It's kind of just like, here's a bunch of guys playing really disgusting music and we're going to just kind of slap it together as it is. And here's an album. And I, I just liked how raw and, you know, genuine it, it was, I guess that's what draws me to it. Yeah, I, I see what I mean. Yeah, bands like autopsy, you know, who <laughs> just like throw. Exactly. Yeah, Autopsy is a good example of what I'm talking about. That those guys literally just made whatever they wanted to make and put it out as they liked it. And I love that. <laughs> and it's surprisingly really melodic, you know, especially on Mental Funeral. <laughs> yes. Yeah, see, I like bands that do have melodic elements, but that the music itself is still yeah. raw, if that makes sense. You know, I'm thinking of the song um, Dead on Mental Funeral, the one that has a kind of little Arabian-styled melody in it. Right. Yeah, yeah. That that album actually has quite a few like a uh, doom in. Uh, oh yeah, the slow crushing riffs. Yeah. Yeah, that that uh, that was like a kind of a game changer back in the day. From what I've heard, um, those guys were like really slowed it down and cru- made it crushingly heavy. I mean, they weren't the first, obviously, because you had um, Immolation, you had Incantation. Those guys were both like the kings of crushing and slow and heavy. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, some time ago, I went back to the first, you know, autopsy severed survival. And it features the the guy who got kicked out of death, you know, after they, they recorded leprosy, <laughs> you know, it sounds like a doomier version of what, you know, de- early death was doing uh, at the time. You know? I always forgot that he was in autopsy. Um, I don't remember his Rick name. Ross, was it? Or was I think or something. I can't remember. Something like that. Rose, I think, was the last name. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And he, yeah, he did a lot in that, that um, Leprosy, I remember. And uh, Seven Survival is a great album. So is Leprosy. Both absolutely cute. Oh, yeah, albums. I love both. Brendan, uh, do you have any early death metal mm, favorites? I would say 
So I had, I don't know, man. Like, so like early, I got into death metal late. So, because I came from the, like that hardcore scene. I think I would say like, like autopsy. Um, and then like, I actually, I'd hate to say it, but uh, like one of the first bands that I got into is for death metal was Mortician. And uh, yeah, oh, really? as, as much as like, I don't know. I like their aggressive, like fast, like pace, but some of it was just so like, like it just hurt my ears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mortician, a borderline joke band, you know, because I remember the first time oh, listening to them. Yeah. I don't the drum machine. So, yeah. And the samples, you know, I'm like thinking, you know, maybe one day I want to watch those movies and I'd appreciate, appreciate if you guys didn't spoil it. <laughs> You know who else is really big on that as well was um, Necrophagia. Yes, Killjoy. Yeah, yeah. Killjoy loved his. Uh, I was really sad when he passed. By the way, I really like Killjoy's work, but um, he uh, he did some fantastic horror sampling, especially in some of the earlier stuff that they did. And uh, I think he was one of the pioneers of like horror metal. To be honest, in my opinion, he, he was he was up he was up there. Yeah, and. Um... You know what's funny is that uh, Phil and Salmo actually played on one of his albums. Oh, which one? Seasons of the Dead, was it? I can't remember. It's like, uh, oh, the, that was the um, Seasons of the Dead was the very first album, wasn't it? Like the the uh, released in like '89 or '88. Yeah, he didn't play on that one. He played on the second album. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, it's. I want to say it's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, I was Here we go. Say, it yeah. was the divine. Was that Holocausto de la Morte? Yeah, I think, yeah he played on that one. I think his name was like um, Anton Crowley or something. Yeah, that, he he had a <laughs> like something really cheesy like that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I've been listening to uh, for like newer death metal uh, live burial. They have like that old school kind of sound, but it's like so nice and refreshed. I don't think I've actually listened to them. Um, you have to link me an album after this. Uh, yeah, this uh, Unending Futility is the name of the album that just came out from them. I highly recommend it. Okay, I'll definitely check that out. There are so many OSDM albums coming out right now, you know. <laughs> I just get confused in between them all. Yeah. Um, it's actually really cool. Great. Yeah, they're pretty good. I think you'd like them. Actually, I definitely think you'd like them. Yeah, the past sort of 12 to 24 months, there's been in the OSDM style. Oh, and uh, I've been absolutely definitely. loving it. Um, there's a uh, there's a couple other bands that are coming out now with um, brand new uh, work. Yeah, and Nick, I know that every now and then I come across one. I just yeah, that you're well, right. um, the Shadows at the World's End um, from Revolting out of Sweden. Um, they have a couple tricks. Okay. Oh, yeah. that was really good. Yeah, that was really um, good. Like that, that was amazing. <laughs> so good. Um, and um, Skeletal. Uh, there was uh, uh, that's. I think there's some Sweden as well. That band Skeletal that brought out um, a new album this year. That was also fantastic. Yeah. No, there's definitely some good stuff. And then I actually just got into this. I posted it the other day. Um, Come back from the dead out of Spain. They released an album last year called The Rise of the Blind Ones. 
And I definitely recommend that as well if you haven't caught that. And uh, there was also uh, Cemetery Filth that uh, brought out their debut album this year. That was also fantastic. Oh, yeah. I remember you shared that with me. That was, uh, that was, pretty, that was pretty, pretty disgusting, really. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was. It was filthy. And uh, it had some absolutely fantastic riffs, like uh, really great death metal riffs. Yeah. I know. We can't forget about Skeletal Remains. Like, that was... So, oh yeah, did, did you check that out oh, yet, yeah, Nick? I go through it here. That was great. Yeah, so good. Yeah, you, you know, I really love that. Um, on on that one, they had more of a kind of old school mentality to things. You know, where they let themselves go. They weren't really, you know, um, tied down to any style. You know, it's like whatever worked worked, and you know, exactly. <laughs> I think you know they have a lot to teach. You know, to to a lot of these bands who. Sometimes I feel they're a bit too um, codified. You know, they, they stick within death metal codes, despite some of them doing it really, really well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the guys in the 90s, I don't think they cared about what the codes were. You know, they didn't even know how to record their stuff most of the time. So Yeah, I think the whole the whole obsession in modern death metal to be as fast and heavy as possible. And I don't think it's necessary, to be honest. Like... It's really cool to see bands going back to slowing it down to like a mid-tempo pace or like a, a slower, heavier, creeping pace. So uh, A Feather and Bone has been another notable band that's caught my attention. Um, and they're coming out with uh, Sulfuric Disintegration. And it looks like it's going to be phenomenal. Yeah, I really like the last two albums. Um, Nick, do you know those guys? Uh, not at all. Send me a link or, you know, when, when this is done. Definitely. Uh, they're, they're fantastic. I think you'll like them. Um, as Colorado? I think you're right. I think they are. Um, have either of you guys heard of Undeath? Um, no, I don't familiar. They're like blowing up on Bandcamp at the moment. It's like they just keep topping up Bandcamp charts and stuff. They're like a new death metal band that plays an old school style. Um, they have an album coming out. Well, their, their first album's coming out 23rd October. But I'll link, you, I'll link you guys that as well after this. Um, so it's another one for people to check out if they haven't heard that one. Nice. nice. And there was, there was one I sent you earlier in the year, Nick, as well. And if you remember, by a band called Obscene. Oh, yes, I remember that one, yeah. Yeah, that was also a, a killer new wave death metal album. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's only getting better um, for this kind of... Uh, old school death metal stuff that's been popular, you know. Uh, you know, it's, it's, what's funny as well is that um, a lot of these guys didn't grow up on death metal; they came from a hardcore background, right? And transitioning into the uh, death metal sound. Yeah, well, yeah. for me, it was like I loved like the intensity of hardcore, and I loved the breakdowns. And uh, death metal had more of like the guitar solos and didn't really have the breakdowns, you know, cause I was like a young spry guy, like into the pits and whatnot. And I just like the breakdowns were nasty. I just wanted to, you know, get in there and just get my body shoved around. And, um, you know, like now that I'm older and I'm not doing that as much and I just come to appreciate, you know, all like that style of like, you know, the brutalness, the, the crunchy guitars, the drums, and, and then like, you know, just the wild solos that just like, bring you to another dimension in some of these bands, you know? I don't know about you guys, but what's your take on like tech death, like technical death metal? Are there you fans of that, like, that style or not? I appreciate it for me, but mostly I, I tend to 
I don't know, shy away from it. I went through a phase where I was really, really into it. I don't know, I want to say eight years ago or something, when I, I became obsessed with bands like The Faceless. Do you know Do you know those guys? Is that the one with the guitarist who's like kicked out everyone from his band? Who does the clean <laughs> Every, every time, every album, he's like has a he has a whole new stack of people because no one will work with him. Talented dude, but apparently like he's like the biggest nightmare to work with in the music industry. So yeah, I think it's done like four. I want to say four albums, maybe five, and every single album had a completely different group <laughs> apart from him. Let's see that. I feel like is that that's kind of hard to like keep your particular sound if you if you have one, you know. Um, well, they didn't. They they changed the sounds a lot uh, across their albums, which is one of the things I actually kind of liked about them because um, they kind of experimented a bit. So, like, this first album was like had some sort of like gent elements, and then the second one was like straight up tech death. Third one sounded like he, he took pages out of Devin Townsend's book. It had like a lot of prog stuff and some weird like clean vocals and uh, like orchestra stuff. And then the one after that was. I don't know. The one after that is uh, very different. Again, it's uh, it's got some really interesting aspects to it. It's cool music. It's just uh, yeah. Apparently, he's not the the best dude to to work alongside. What what is your what's your guilty pleasure band or album? Oh, guilt, guilty pleasure. Um, I, I love pop music, so you know I don't consider you know uh, Madonna's '80s output to be guilt, guilty pleasure or ABBA. I think they're genuinely, you know, good works, despite being very uh, commercialized, you know, uh, songs. But <laughs> guilty pleasure, oh, I don't, you know, I don't really have guilty pleasure bands. I have guilty pleasure songs, really. So guilty pleasure, uh, Antarctica by Suicide Boys, which is the only song I like by them. Uh, I think Money Machine by 100 Gigs. You know, a, a lot of just kind of, mm really uh dumb in your face uh rap music you know sometimes like a lot of autotune as well you know just like music that doesn't really care about you know artistic expression you know it's just about you know having a bit of fun you know like really bouncy jumpy stuff <laughs> i actually just came upon a new guilty pleasure band um eskimo cowboy um <laughs> it's such it's so funny. I was like, I'm listening to it and I just died laughing um, hearing this song called Hypa Hypa. And for me, I was just like, I, I had to share this with people because this is too damn good not to, you know, like whether it's joke or you take them super serious, like it kind of slaps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually really liked it as well. I didn't expect to, but I did. I, I didn't either. I was just like, wow. <laughs> It's one of those things that, like, you shouldn't like it, but you do. Yeah. Have you guys heard of Crotch Duster? Yes. Yeah, that, that is a funny band. <laughs> you know, I, I think one of the reasons they, they're actually funny is because they're both really talented musicians. You know, when they, when they like, make fun of Glenn Danzig's voice or they do, you know, the James Hetfield years and the whole, <laughs> you know, the rapping, the, the kind of, like, wannabe deicide part. And... Mm -hmm. You know, you know, I think, you know, I've seen this a lot on Bandcamp, but, you know, a lot of times people try to do, you know, the anal cunt style of being funny, you know, where it's just kind of like provocative song title, just, you know, random noise for music. And that doesn't do it for me, you know. I think, you know, comedy music is something that's very difficult to do properly. There is that one really funny um, anal cunt album, though, that they did the completely folk one. 
you know what I'm talking oh, about? <laughs> Picnic of Love. <laughs> Picnic of Love, yeah. Yeah, that one had me in stitches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to listen to it a bit. I've listened to it like maybe five times overall, which is too much, too much but it's so funny. <laughs> Um, and Brendan, if you don't know Crop D- uh, Crotch Duster, they have, their album is called Big Fat Box of Shit. <laughs> no, I haven't. I'm actually going to check it out later today. <laughs> and they have songs with titles like Mr. Indignant Erection, Mammal Source, Jogging in Hell. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I mean, Mammal Source, Mammal Source is one of the funniest songs I've ever heard in my life, you know. <laughs> Mammal Source is pretty funny. Um, there was actually a band that we reviewed recently that did a really funny album. I can't remember the name of the band. Uh, Trinomerius, something like that. Um, hang on, I've got to do them justice. Give me two seconds. We can edit this out. Um, hang on. I'll, uh, I will find it because uh, I've got to give these guys a compliment. They actually Darn did. No, that one is really funny though too. Nick, did you see that album I reviewed about that was ostrich themed brutal death metal from Japan? Yeah, <laughs> Bird's View. <laughs> that's, that's a brilliant cover. I know it's uh, it's one of the most interesting <laughs> concepts I've ever seen. Ah, here we go. Um, the band was called um, Timoratus, and their album was called My Life in a Mediocre Metal Band, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was just really accurate um, and they had like skits and stuff where they just did talking bits but it was just like songs about like earning barely enough money at a gig to cover the cost of getting there in your van and like trying to get enough Facebook likes for people to actually notice your band exists online like it was it was good stuff yeah. uh, have you guys heard uh, Torso Fuck? no I haven't, I mean, I they, haven't. they have this one song you know which is the, the dumbest thing ever it's called Raped by Elephant it's like, and you know, it's an actual, it's like an actual story about some guy who goes to to see the elephants out in the wild in um, Africa, right? So he, you know, the the lyrics go, you know, the mm-hmm. narrator, you know, obviously, you know, does dirty things with elephants, and it's just the way the song, the the final lyrics, you know, where it's, uh, he goes, um, you know, it wasn't so bad. But I'll never go back to Africa again. You know, that just had me like dying. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys um? Do, do you guys know the band called the the Black Satan? Oh yeah, I remember them. I don't know. No. Do you remember those guys from like nine years ago? Um, they make fun of black metal, and the, the band's called the Black Satans. And then like the most popular song was called the Satan of Hell. And it's just a bunch of dudes in like coarse paint and full black metal gear in the in the forest, just being absolutely ridiculous, like making fun of uh, black metal bands essentially. But that that was some like really good I comedy like, uh, as well. Uh, Sludge, they have uh, yeah, oh, they're, they're good. all about mollusks and slugs and all that fun stuff. Like <laughs> so good. Those guys really rip too for having such a fun kind of that, yeah. That, they are fantastic. Like that album of theirs is one of the best albums of the year when yeah, it came out. That Astronomicon most recent one has like all three of their albums on it. Do you know those guys? Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember them. And they they took like other band um, titles and songs and they just you know added slug um, you know slug words. I remember them. There was um there was another band I listened to. Uh, there was actually a another bird theme band. But all the vocals were actually birds creatures. Oh, hate me. And um, 
Hate Beak, that's the one. Do you remember that? <laughs> and they had like really, really, really funny names, uh, like parody names of, of metal songs. Um, Beak of Putrefaction. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, Birdsum, Birds of Bird Seeds of Vengeance, Seven Perches, <laughs> Roost in Peace, Malt Thrower. <laughs> and then uh, their, their album cover was like a ripoff of Number of the Beast, but with a giant bird yeah. in the background. And then you have to like acknowledge who's those guys. Um, Cannabis Corpse. Yeah. Those guys have been huge in like the, the comedy parody sort of thing. And they've actually been really successful as well. You, you know what? I'm going to say something that's very controversial, but I prefer Cannabis Corpse's music unironically to Cannibal Corpse's. <laughs> I mean, I can't judge you for that. They actually are good musicians and they actually do make some pretty yeah, good music. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I've, and then the fact that you get to laugh at is fun yeah. as well. You know, um, I actually saw them live once in a very small, sweaty uh, concert room, and obviously everyone was smoking cannabis, right? And because you know, I don't smoke in, uh, I don't smoke cannabis at all. I remember um, literally like falling down in the pit because every, you know the place was there's so much weed coming out, you know, everywhere. <laughs> And just like literally getting like a contact high, you know, and because, because I, you know, I don't smoke weed, I have very little tolerance to it. What's and going they, on around me? Yeah, it's literally. <laughs> and I remember, you know, the, the bassist vocalist of Cannibal Corpse, he, he got really annoyed with people because in, in France, people, they roll their, their cannabis, they put tobacco in it, you know, to make it easier to smoke. Right. Smoke. And uh, I remember the, 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 the base is just going on this huge rant about, you know, why Europeans don't smoke weed properly. Gotta come straight out of the bong and then into my face. Like, what are you doing with this? People in Australia do the same as well. They, uh, they cut their, uh, their weed with tobacco as well. done with hash. Um, I've never really seen it done with the, uh, the other stuff. So, yeah, that's, that is some, uh, some of the comedy bands that the three of us listen to. If any of our listeners out there want to check those out, have a good yeah, laugh. I definitely have some new ones on my list. Thanks to this conversation. So <laughs> oh, there's something I was going to ask you. Give me one second to get my thoughts together. I'm too busy thinking about bird theme music. What is your sort of goal for Haitian firm going forward? Uh, who, what are you trying to build with, with the label? Like uh, I know you guys have a definite sound. You like the really dark, death and black metal um is there a sort of direction you want to take the label in uh, yeah you know i definitely work, want to work within that kind of black death black metal sound you know that we've started to call the dark metal you know in tribute to um bethlehem whose first album was called dark metal right you know, it's kind of um, a mixture you know like very fluid mixture of death black and doom you know where you, you know, for going forward, that's where I really, we really want to see from more bands. You know, I'm tired. You know, of like bands. You know, you go, oh, that's a cool death metal riff. Oh wait, here comes the black metal part. You know, look, we have these two fantastic extreme metal uh, genres. Why don't we just kind of work by pushing them? You know, pushing them together and see where it goes. And it's funny that you mentioned Bethlehem because I absolutely love those guys, and I really don't meet enough people that you know appreciate them or know who they are. Really, their second album. Uh, Dictius Tenacare, uh, I think it's yeah. called. Um, I absolutely love that album, but my younger brother absolutely hates it because I used to wake him up by blasting the first track 
Charlton Alistair Alexander Welt. Yeah. Um, I put that on full volume next to his head while he was sleeping to wake him up <laughs> in the mornings when I got up before him. Fantastic. <laughs> and the, the vocalist, you know, that's one thing that, that kind of is a blessing and a curse with them because the vocalist is just fantastic in that, in that style. I think he's the best ever to do that kind of overly high-pitched, over-the-top wailing. But then people get way too, Definitely. way too, um, you know, drawn in by the vocals, and they forget that wait, there's some awesome music going on at the same time. A controversial opinion, but I genuinely like Silencer as well. well <laughs> yeah, they have some cool, they have some cool riffs. But then, you know, I think the, you know, I, I did a lot of research on the guy, right? And you know, his story about the pig hooves for hands and everything. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. It's just a lot of a lot of nonsense, you know. He never even went into a psychiatric uh, hospital. It was actually his brother. Who used to, oh, really? His brother used to go in, but it was only on the week weekends because of uh, you know job related burnout. You know from working. Uh, I don't, he was like someone. You know, I think he was working in an ambulance or firefighter. You know, one of those jobs where you're expected to work eighty hours a week easily, right? It was only oh, because of that. And he, interesting. You know, he, you know, I remember and. Um, and I kind of killed the, you know, the, the whole illusion for me, you know, really. And uh, when it comes to that band, uh, you know, you, uh, I think they could be a bit more sincere with it. What they, you know, sc- well, I don't even know if you can call that screaming. <laughs> Wailing, I don't know what it is. Whatever his style is, it's uh, <laughs> it's his own style. <laughs> yeah, no one else can do it. You know, it's it's interesting and unique. Well, for me, it was like, it's the instrumentals because some of the riffs on that album have never left my head since I listened to it the first time. Like some of the guitar work on the intros to those tracks are some of the catchiest intros I've ever heard in my entire life. Oh yeah, I completely agree. You know, when they, when they're kind of going for that, you know, they have these long instrumental passages that are not bad at all, you know? Yeah. And I was thinking, yeah, you know, it's, it's cool if they, when they just let the music do the talking, you know, about the gimmicky vocals or anything or, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, the sad boy kind of lyrics and yeah, it's a shame. There was a lot, there was a lot of good stuff that, that came out from the, that band, from that one album. Well, they inspired a whole, like they kind of inspired, well, one of the inspirations, I guess, for like depressive suicidal black metal DSBM, yeah. um, which is a genre I'm super into as well. Um, I love bands like life lover and, uh, um, what's the other one I'm thinking? Oh, I've got a mind blank now. Um, Psychonaut, do you know those guys? Yeah, I know those guys. Yeah, Psychonaut Four. Yeah, uh, I think they're called. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, like, I was gonna say, it wasn't it Four? Yeah, I know the. Yeah, uh, I think yeah, Russian guys. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, they're pretty good. And then you got uh, like Apathy, uh, Nocturnal Depression, Die Light, Happy Days. Like all those guys, I love that stuff. Make a change, cure yourself. You know what? Um, a controversial opinion. Um. The first Silence album, no, not Silence, um, Shining album in that style, fantastic. Mm-hmm. But what really makes it, it's not, it's not even the metal parts. I just love the piano and the acoustic guitar on the first Shining album. Exactly. And that's what I loved about Silencer as well. It's like, it's those acoustic and uh, piano parts that really made it such unique music. And that's what I like about like um, DSBM is you get a lot of that acoustic and piano driven stuff and like it's it's not really all about just being metal yeah, yeah it has atmosphere to it exactly a lot of emotion as yeah. well i like emotion and um and atmosphere there's nothing wrong with those <laughs> i think it makes it better you know 
Exactly. And Brendan, you'd appreciate the fact as well that those genres generally tend to have longer songs. Right, exactly. I was about to say, like, you know, like that's where you're starting to build in like your 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 musicianship there, you know? Like you're really putting it out. Like building atmosphere takes time. And if you're doing it right, then you know, instead of just ear blasts, then you know, you're busting it out. Some great, great stuff. Yeah, as, mu- as much as I love a good blast beat, as much as the next person, sometimes it's nice to bands actually take a break from that, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, talking about, uh, you know, the comedic bands, um, I think Vital Remains, you know, on their later stuff, almost becomes a mm-hmm. comedic because they're just so obsessed with holding that blast beat. And uh, I can't remember that the, there was this one Vital Remains song that is absolutely hilarious because I'm, um, you know, it's blasting along, and then at one moment, you know, it feels like it's about to slow down, and the band just say, nope, and it just goes back to blasting <laughs> like mad. <laughs> you know, you know I mean? Is this guy a machine? Is he human? I really liked their um, their first album. I posted that not too long ago on our page, and that was an absolutely awesome album. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. They had, I think they had three vocalists. They had Glenn, they had Glenn Benton as the later stuff. And that's the stuff that really blew up for them. They got really popular as Glenn Benton. Yeah. De-Christianized, but, um, yeah. yeah. De-Christianized. And the one following that, uh, there's another one. Um, but the original vocalist was really good too. And then they had some other, I think one or two other dudes after him who I don't really know too much about. And then Glenn Benton. Yeah. I mean, they've never had a stable lineup really. No. Yeah. I think it's, uh, was it what's his name Dave Suzuki the the guitarist who's like the really the constant guy who's there every time right yeah it, he's he's uh, the only constant factor um and Deicide's one of those bands as well like Glenn ben- speaking of Glenn Benton like I love Deicide and like the first few albums are really cool but like they take the whole they really take the whole anti-religious thing so far I mean he, you know he ran out he ran out of ideas eventually you know he had to go uh, exactly. <laughs> Blame it on God. Fuck God. Death to Jesus. You know, like the most <laughs> obvious stuff he could come up with. <laughs> I, uh, I actually made a joke in our review of that first album, saying that he he wanted he hates God so much he had to join a second band to let people know. <laughs> but uh, he's the one, I think he's the one who burnt the crucifix into his forehead, didn't he? He has an inverted cross in his forehead. Yeah, he did, and he wanted to uh, commit suicide at the age of 33. That's <laughs> uh, pretty edgy. <laughs> and then, then he comes up like, nah, I never said that, man. That's asinine, you know? That's childish. Only a coward would do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he, uh, he's one of those dudes. And uh, you know who else is like a, a bit of a joke? Like, uh, they always pops up in the metal community as well is... Um, Oh, what's his name? The original lead singer, Chris Barnes from Cannibal Corpse. Oh, the oh, original vocalist from Six Feet Under. Oof, if you've seen what's been going on with their last album, I, think I have. It's been it's been pretty funny. <laughs> they had to, the, the label was it? New, is it Nuclear Blast who has them? I think it might have been Nuclear Blast. It's one of the big ones. I know that. I think it's no, it's Metal Blade, and they had to like the same. No, no, yeah, it is yeah. Metal Blade. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they disabled the comments in their videos. I saw that. Yeah. And it has more dislikes than likes. <laughs> My main problem with him was that stuff that went down between him and the dude from um, Travis from uh, Cattle Decapitation. Did you yeah. hear about that? Oh, yeah. We, yeah, were, we yeah. were talking about that the other day. 
Hey, sucker punched him and then locked himself in his room. Yep. Yeah, and apparently, um, whoever they 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 kind of bullied the the management were bullying Castle the uh, decapitation. You know, About they said they could, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> they, like, they didn't want to have uh, shittier merchandise than cattle, and they got mad about it because they didn't have good merch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's outrageous. And then, like, my question is, like, how many Graveyard Classic albums can a band make, considering that everyone said, no, like, one was too many? <laughs> not enough. and Not enough. <laughs> We need another. They made made the first album, and everyone's like gave it like a twenty percent review, and they're like, "Let's make three more." Right. This is what the people want. You know, I actually know. um, I have a friend of mine who was convinced that ACDC was covering Six Feet Under. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Because I don't think, um, you know, I remember when they had, was it Graveyard Classics 3, where it was just black back in black from A to Z. Well, yes. You know, they, um, Six Feet Under's kind of like promotional campaign was trying to pass it off as their own music, really. You know. Really? Being, I didn't even say that. They, they're like, they weren't being explicit about it, about it, because, you know, they were still using, you know, the word cover, and, you know, everyone knows ACDC, right? But they were mm-hmm. still kind you know, <laughs> It was, um, just the words used, you know, by uh, by the bands and um, when they were interviewed, you know, like, oh, we're giving new life to this song, uh, you know, a breath of flesh, a fresh air, the death metal climate. I was just like, really? Yeah. Having listened to that those covers, I definitely disagree. <laughs> um, I think ACDC gave it plenty of life to start with as well. It's ACDC, right? Yeah. <laughs> Like to to t- to cover an ACDC song is one thing, but then to say that you're improving it is like a really big call. Yeah, those are. It's uh, like um, some, some I saw this. To try to be feeling. I saw this guy in my newsfeed. He was running an ad. I can't remember his name, and I want to say it anyway because I don't want to shame the dude. But someone in my newsfeed sponsored an ad uh, this week, and they did this video saying something like. Are you sick of garbage music? Are you sick of mainstream music? I've I've got new music for you that's gonna blow your mind and like open you up to like real music. And then he proceeded to play like three of his songs, and it was like the most generic, terrible stuff I've ever heard in my whole life. And uh, the comment section was just blowing up, and it was pretty funny. And like the best the best feedback I saw in the comment section was, "Hey man, uh, I'm sorry, but this is very not good." <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just like the the lack of self-awareness that some bands and artists have about the quality of their music and then they, when they, 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 they should talk other bands and artists and, and then they can't really back it up. The ego is terrible, man. Anyway, I think we have pretty much run over time here. Um, yeah. So, Brendan, do you have any questions for Nick before we wrap up? The only one I got left was, um, what social medias are you using for people to catch up on your bands? Um, are you using Spotify, Bandcamp, and YouTube? Which, what, what do you prefer? Um, all our releases are on uh, Bandcamp. And then, you know, uh, for news, we use uh, Facebook and Instagram, really. We have also a, a website that you can check out. And, you know, we're just trying to slowly branch out, you know, to, to spread, you know, what we believe 
to be good music, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your website for our listeners? Uh, hessianfirm.com. And you're on Big Cartel as well, aren't you, for people to purchase the albums? Yeah. Um, yeah, because, you know, um, something I discovered, he, he Discogs uh, charges a lot to sellers. And, uh, you know, if anyone, if you're selling albums, you know, don't do it on Discogs. You know, the best is to, you know, get the money on PayPal because, you know, PayPal has a, a bias protection. You know, you charge a little, little fee for bias protection. So, you know, uh, we're not going to be on Discogs, really. But Big Cartel is also very good. They take a very small fee very quick um, and it works really well for everyone fantastic well thank you so much for coming on and uh, I'm sure we'll have you back on again sometime in the future to talk about some of the uh, the new stuff you have coming out yeah thanks guys you know we're gonna we're still gonna be grinding at it you know I've got you know a few people on the team listening to albums constantly listening to what you guys uh, share with us. I really appreciate that you guys actually uh, pay attention to what we write. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like Lone Goat from Goatcraft said, you guys are our favorite troglodytes. (laughs) Oh, really? We appreciate that. Yeah, he really likes that uh, troglodyte and cave analogy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what a cave cool. caller is. Yeah, yeah. I know. yeah, yeah. It was kind of funny then that uh, we reviewed him. He would have loved that. Yeah. Because, you know, where I live, we had some issues with some troglodytes, you know, who were actual terrorists, and they were using the caves as terrorist training camps. Oh, wow. A few years, a few years ago. So, yeah. So, yeah. Really? It, yeah, we have some big caves, in, in, like, near the Pyrenees. Uh, Pyrenees. And so, you know, people organized to do you know, a few things there. That'd be cool to do a, a like a concert to one of those places. <laughs> that would be cool. Pile everybody into a cavern and... Or you can, uh, if you're like a, a raw, raw black metal band, you can go recording there and get yeah. some... Uh, <laughs> some the authentic. Uh, atmosphere. That's <laughs> <laughs> a uh, true underground music. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know. I think of incantation when I think like cavernous music. Yeah. Oh, and ulcerate is the other one that comes to mind. Those guys always sound like they're in a cave as well. I love it. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for coming well, on, and uh, we'll talk to you me. again sometime soon. Yeah, yeah definitely. Thank you. And thanks to everyone who listened today. Um, We'll have another one, uh, another interview coming up soon. So uh, stay tuned. Thank you. Thank you, guys.